If you have your Bibles, uh, James chapter 5 is where we're going to be in just a moment. And as we get started, I want you to know that there is one habit that you can cultivate in 2023 that will make a bigger difference in your life than anything else, and it's prayer. More than eating right, more than exercising, as important as that is, there is nothing more life-giving than a vibrant prayer life. You ever have one of those days where you just can't seem to catch a break? I had one of those recently where I had a day stacked full of meetings. One meeting to the other, I was running around, and then went off to, to make a hospital call. I was just on the go all day. And when I get back, the, the kids are, are home from school, and then my wife and I turn into taxi drivers. And we're dropping this kid off at this activity and this kid off at this activity. You know, three different places they need to be, school program here, practice here. And at the end, once we get back home, it's late at night, I realize, you know, it's, it's 8.30, I haven't even eaten dinner yet, and I'm hungry, I'm tired. Uh, we're putting our kids to bed, and I'm reading my, my youngest, my six-year-old son, a book, and when we're done reading, I'm tired, and I'm just ready to go to sleep, and my son goes, but, but Dad, we didn't pray. And Man, that hurt. But like, I was content just to, to go to sleep, and, and my son wanted to pray. Now, as much as we need to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer in 2023, I think for many of us, we've developed a habit of prayerlessness. Now, at first glance, that seems a little confusing because uh, it's not something we do, but it's something that we don't do. You see, not only are there sins of commission, which are sins that we commit, but there's sins of omission, meaning there are things that we should be doing, but we're not. Prayerlessness is a sin of omission. Uh, the great English pastor F.B. Meyer once said, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Listen, prayer is our connection to God. It makes room for his direction as well as his correction in our life. In fact, the Bible tells us specifically to pray continually. So anything other than a continual attitude of prayer and communion with God is disobedience. You see, when I think about that stressful, busy, exhausting day that I had recently, I wonder how different things would have been if I had been praying with God throughout the day. Prayer is like the air we breathe. It's our lifeline. It's our connection with God. It sustains us spiritually. Let me be clear. Without prayer, our spiritual life will suffocate. Without prayer, there's no way we can expect to break any of the habits that are crushing us. That's why we have to understand how we develop this habit of prayerlessness in the first place. If you find yourself experiencing a season of prayerlessness, maybe it's because your priorities are messed up. Like if you're being real, there are just some things that are more important to you than spending time with God. And maybe it's a lordship issue. Maybe you've been, been praying for God's will and God's encouraging you to do something, but you don't want to do that, so you stop praying. Discouragement or resentment can be another reason for prayerlessness. Maybe you prayed for God to save your marriage and your spouse still left. Maybe you prayed for God to heal a loved one, but they still died. Maybe you've been asking God for a child and nothing's happened. And since God didn't answer your prayer, at least the way that you wanted him to, you have this, this sense of betrayal and you're too hurt to pray. 
There's a lot of reasons we don't pray, but essentially it's caused by our unbelief. Now, there's a difference between disbelief and unbelief. Disbelief is not to believe in God, while unbelief is to reject or doubt the promises of God. In the Gospel of Mark, we see a man who brings his demon-possessed son to Jesus, or to the disciples for help. And the disciples try, but, but they can't help him, so the father then brings his son to Jesus, and he says in Mark chapter 9, verse 22, it, it referring to, to the demon, has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Uh, immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. See, the, the father believed that Jesus was a healer, but he struggled to believe that he would heal his son. Unbelief is basically the absence of faith. And Scripture tells us without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it's important to know that not only does God love us, but we can also trust him. It's also important that if, if you don't address the unbelief in your life, it will lead to more unbelief. You'll move the wrong way spiritually. And every time you take your struggles and your burdens and your fears to someone or something other than God, the harder it is to bring them to God the next time. You begin to lose your hunger for God. That's the power of habits. Church, I believe that prayerlessness is the major cause of unbelief. You can't have a healthy relationship with God if you're not spending time with him in prayer. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. How do you give your anxieties to God if you're not praying? A prayerless life will always lead to a more stressful life. Prayer is the way that we communicate with God, and communication is the basis of life. Whenever there's healthy communication, there's a healthy relationship, but when there's no communication, what you end up with is a broken relationship. Simply put, prayerlessness is sin. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Sin is any lack of conformity to the moral character of God. It's anything that stands between us and God. A prayerless life makes no space for God. I heard a story about a pastor who asked his church to pray that God would shut down the neighborhood bar. And so the entire church came together and they gathered for a prayer meeting. A few weeks later, lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. Well, the owner of the bar heard about this prayer meeting, and he decided he was going to bring a lawsuit against the church. And as they stood in front of the judge that day, the owner argued that God struck his bar with lightning because of the prayers of this church. Well, the pastor admitted that they had a prayer meeting for that purpose, but no one in the congregation really expected anything like that to happen. The judge leaned back in his chair and shook his head. He said, I, I can't believe what I'm hearing. I have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who doesn't. 
And there are a lot of Christians who say they believe in the importance of prayer, and yet their actions show otherwise. On the other hand, there are some Christians who want to pray, but they don't feel like they know how. So how can we break the habit of prayerlessness and cultivate a prayer-filled life? To answer that, I want us to look at the New Testament book of James. James chapter 5. We're going to begin reading in verse 13. And would you please stand for the reading of God's word? James 5, beginning in verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the air of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. James starts here by saying, if you're afflicted, sad, in trouble, pray. Or when you're happy, pray then. Sing a psalm, praise God. I I don't know if you feel this way, but, but I think that we pray a lot more when we're in trouble than when everything's going well. And so I may struggle with prayers that I think go unanswered, but then I forget about the countless blessings and all the prayers that God did answer while I just get on enjoying them. There are some people who say, I've never seen a miracle. But how many prayers have been answered in your life? You have no idea. You don't know because it doesn't always have to be spectacular to be supernatural. It doesn't always have to be instant to be a miracle. You don't know because some of the answers are still on the way. And you don't know because you haven't prayed every prayer that's been answered in your life. It wasn't until I was an adult that that I learned that my grandparents prayed for all of their grandchildren by name every single day before they went to bed. You may have no clue that 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 family member has you on their prayer list. But then it just so happened that you got that job. It just so happened that you got better. It just so happened that you received the ultimate blessing of coming to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. James says, pray when you're sad. Sing praises and pray when you're happy. And pray when you're sick or you know anyone who needs healing. Pray. Get other believers to to pray too. Leaders in the church, invite them to pray with you. Pray over the sick person, it says. He says the prayer of faith will save them. The word there is sotse. It means will bring wholeness, future tense. The Lord will raise them up, future tense again. Sad, happy, or sick, pray. 
down, up, or knock sideways, pray. In other words, no matter what it is that you're going through in life, pray. In fact, and this is really important, the tense that James uses here means that we should read it, keep on praying. Spend more time on your knees. Anything that you're sad or heartbroken about, keep on praying. Everything going great, keep on praying. Feeling sick or or know someone who is, keep on praying. Do you know somebody who's turned away from the Lord? James says, pray that they'll come back. Don't give up on them. Keep on praying. Is it you? Have you wandered away from the truth? Are you stuck in a pattern of sin? Come to Jesus today. Confess it to God. He knows it anyway. Jesus' love, his blood shed on the cross, covers a multitude of sins. Don't keep on sinning. He says they can be forgiven. Keep on praying. James is saying here, whatever's going on, keep prayer ongoing. All the time, about anything and everything. Nothing's out of bounds. Heaven doesn't have office hours. You can pray, you can call anytime. See, our job is to pray, and God's job is to answer. And he loves to answer. He has promised so many times in the Bible that if we pray, he will answer. Now, back in chapter 1, James said, when you pray, don't be double-minded. Have confidence. Expect God to move. And now he says why in chapter 5, verse 16. He says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do you think your prayers are powerful? Do we believe that? I know some of us, if we're honest, we read this and there's a voice inside of us that says no. Because I've been praying for that person who wandered away from the truth to come back for so long and there's no sign that they're coming back. Some of you want to believe that your prayer works powerfully, yet at the same time, there's doubt that's creeping in. You're thinking, but I prayed in faith. Like I even got the elders around. They got out the oil and they prayed, but she just got worse. He died. She died. And I know that's been my experience sometimes. Over the years, I have seen God answer prayer with some miraculous yeses. And everyone loves a yes. But if you have that heavy heart when you heard those words from James that seem so certain, I know exactly what you mean. Because I've been at so many bedsides of people that we prayed for, and then I did their funeral just days later. We prayed so hard that we ran out of prayers, cried so hard we ran out of tears, anointed so much that we ran out of oil. James says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. So did I not pray in faith? Or if it's true that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, were our prayers weak because we weren't righteous? Maybe we need some new elders or some fresh oil because the ones we got aren't working. Well, again, you can see here that the promises were made in the future tense. 
And that comforts me because I do believe that the Lord has now made those people well, better than they ever were. Because I believe that he has raised them up by his power and they are in his presence surrounded by his love and glory. But that does not mean I'm gonna stop praying for miracles. I'm not putting off all healing until heaven because Jesus himself said we should pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So listen, if you ever hear that I'm really sick, pray for me right away, okay? And I promise I'll do the same for you. But what if the question is, whether or not, is not whether or not I get the answer I wanted, what if the question is to keep on praying anyway? Whether I'm sad or not, will I keep on praying? Whether I'm happy or not, will I keep on praying? Whether someone else is sick or not, will I keep on praying? And so my knees get hard, but my heart stays soft. Rather than letting the opposite happen where where my heart gets hard towards God and I get up my knees and I walk away. Because all the way through the book of James, there's this word that shows up in every test, every trial, and every temptation, and it's the word persevere. There are so many books out there on prayer. Books like Powerful Prayer, Prayer That God Answers, How to Pray, Ten Secrets of Effective Prayer, Prayer That Changes the World, praying longer, bigger, stronger, mightier. And I've read so many of them. And all of those books are on the power of prayer. But if prayer is going to be a habit that we develop in 2023, we need to focus on the perseverance of prayer. All throughout the letter of James, you hear echoes of his older brother Jesus' teaching, especially in the Sermon on the Mount. And what does Jesus tell us about prayer? Ask, seek, knock. Again, the tense means that it's not a one-time thing. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on praying, keep on, and the door will be opened. Ask, and keep asking. Ask until there's an answer. And no is an answer. And wait is an answer. Ask believing that God can do it and he cares. Ask specifically. Ask again. To make prayer a habit, you keep on praying. Now, sometimes I don't know how to pray. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. Anybody else? So I want to share with you some practical ways that we can make prayer a habit this year. Number one, identify your obstacles. In other words, what are the things that are keeping you from prayer? Do you have a hard time concentrating when you pray? Your mind kind of drifts to other things? Or maybe there are some things that upset you so much that, that you find it difficult to pray about them? Maybe you have unresolved conflict? Once you've identified what those obstacles are, and you get them out of the way, it's much easier to break the cycle of prayerlessness. Number two, find your rhythm. Are you a morning person or are you a night owl? Do you connect with God best outside on the back porch or inside in your closet? What rhythm works best for you? 
If you're married, you know that for your marriage to be healthy, you have to schedule time alone or you'll begin to grow apart. And the same thing is true in your relationship with God. If you don't schedule time to be alone with him, your relationship will suffer. Be intentional. Find a time, find a place, find the rhythm that works best for you. Number three, pray authentically. Be real. Be yourself. God is not impressed with with big flowery words. Just come before him like a child goes before a father. Number four, pray boldly. I once heard a pastor say that God doesn't answer vague prayers. I don't know if that's true, but I do believe that God wants us to be bold in our prayers. Are you asking God to do things that only he can do? That's a bold prayer. God may not answer your prayers in the ways that you want, but scripture tells us bold prayers are exactly what Jesus wants from us. That's why Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Mark Batterson says, God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Number five, pray systematically. I don't know about you, but I can become a little ADD when I pray. I have a tendency to to think through all the things that I need to do. And so I found that, that keeping a prayer outline helps keep me focused. Now, there are several great prayer outlines out there, but my favorite is an acrostic that spells parts. You can think of it as the parts to prayer. The P stands for praise. This is where you you, you praise God. You declare who God is. it's, It's a prayer of adoration. The A stands for admit. This is where you admit, you confess your sins before God. The R stands for request. This is where you bring your request to God on behalf of yourself or on behalf of other people. You pray prayers of intercession. The T stands for thanks or thanksgiving. This is where you you pray prayers of thanksgiving. You thank God for the blessings that he's given you. You thank God for answered prayer. You thank God for what he's done in your life. And then S might be the most neglected, but I would argue perhaps the most important. It's where we're silent. We be still and we know that he is God. We stop talking to him and we allow him to speak to us. Well, not only do we pray systematically, but number six, I encourage you to pray scripture. If you look throughout the Bible, you will see so many prayers of men and women that serve as great models and templates for us to pray. I think of Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. I think of how the disciples, they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. This is a great prayer to pray. In fact, I want us to pray it together as a congregation now. We'll put the words up on the screen. Let's pray together the Lord's Prayer. Pray it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, not only do we pray scripture, but number seven, I would encourage you to write out your prayers. I find out that writing out prayers helps me focus. So have a list of people and situations that you're going to keep on praying for. Put your friends, put your family members on that list. Who else should we keep on praying for? James says that we can pray for people who are suffering and sad, people who are happy and glad, people who are sick and need a miracle. We can pray for those who have wandered away from God, those who are lost, for the people who needs God's grace and his love to turn their life around and bring them home to the Father. Write those names down. Keep on praying for the ministry that you serve in. Pray for Bachelor Creek, for our church, as, as we continue to move forward in a new year. This church needs wisdom from above. Keep on praying for your staff and your elders. Pray for our missionaries who are serving all over the world. We've not even got into what's going on in the news. There's so much happening in our world. How often do we pray about what's happening in the news compared to how much time we spend complaining or worrying about it? Keep on praying. And all the time, keep on listening. Pray with an open Bible and an open heart. Look for a promise to receive. Listen for a prompting from the Holy Spirit or a next step that he wants you to take. Keep on praying. Pray like Elijah. James 5.17 tells us Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. The thing that James wants us to know about Elijah is this. He was human, just like us. But he prayed, and miracles happened. What was the secret? How did he pray? Well, he stood up in a nation which had gone away from God, and he declared that it would not rain except at his word. It was a prophetic declaration of what God will do. He will stop the rain. Then three and a half years later, he got on his knees and prayed again, and the rain came. How did Elijah pray? The word gets translated as he prayed fervently or earnestly in most of our translations. But do you know what it actually says? It says that he prayed with prayer. It just repeats it. Elijah prayed praying. Is that it? Really? The big secret? Yeah. Elijah was just like you and me. He prayed praying. He just kept on praying. And at the end of three years, that miraculous rain came. Here's how it happened. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 42. says, So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing here, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. He prayed, praying. The servant keeps going, sees nothing. 
Another lovely day, not a cloud in the sky. Just like every day for the last 900 days, Elijah stays on his knees. He prayed, praying, and praying, and praying, and praying one more time. Verse 44 says, The seventh time the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. When you pray for rain, do you bring an umbrella? That's what faith looks like. Things happen fast. The sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. You know, there's something about that number seven in the Bible. It means perfection. Completion for the Hebrew people. Seven days for God to create the world. Then rest, because it's all done. God finishes what he started. After God saved Noah and his family, he put a rainbow as a sign in the sky to commemorate it. How many colors in a rainbow? Joshua had the people march for seven days with seven priests around the walls of Jericho before they fell down as they blew on seven trumpets. What if they would have stopped after three or four? They kept on marching. Elisha told Naaman the leper to wash in the Jordan River how many times? Seven. What if he stopped at number six? I don't know. But he kept on washing. Revelation is full of sevens, 54 sevens. Because God is going to answer every prayer when he brings history to completion soon. Seven spirits of God, seven churches, seven golden lampstands, and Jesus holds seven stars as he walks among them. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls. Every seven means God finishes what he started. So keep praying. Pray, pray. Pray again now. That's how prayer becomes a habit. You know, it would be pretty foolish of me to preach on the importance of prayer and not give us the opportunity to pray. I think for most of us, we really struggle with silence. And so maybe this will feel a little bit awkward, but what I want us to do right now is just to pause, to stop everything we're doing, to put down our pens, whatever it is, and I want us just to spend a few minutes in silence before God. We're going to stop talking to him, and we're going to allow him to speak to us. And after a few minutes of silence, we will take of the bread and we will take of the cup. And we're going to spend time in communion with God in this moment. So let's bow our heads and let's just go before the Lord for a few minutes.
you would go ahead and take out the bread. This is his body given for you. Let's eat. Take out the cup. This is his blood shed for you. Let's drink. Father God, in the stillness and the quiet, you speak. God, you speak a better word. God, as we head into a new year, I pray that prayer would be like the air that we breathe. That as a deer pants for water, God, our soul would long for you. That we would be like the psalmist who would ask, where, where can I go and meet with you? God, what an awesome privilege it is that as children dearly beloved by you, who belong to you, who have your Holy Spirit living within us, God, there is no place that we can go that you are not. So I pray, God, that this year would be a year that's marked by prayer. That communion with you would be what we long for. God, I pray that we wouldn't make it complicated, we wouldn't make it complex, but we would realize that we're just coming before you like a child comes before a father. So God, would you breathe life into these bodies? I, be, I pray that, that prayer would be our oxygen God, that it would sustain us, that it would lift us up when we're down. No matter what it is that we're going through, that we would persevere in prayer because we know, God, it's how you desire to connect with us. God, if nothing else happens this year, I pray that we would be a people of prayer. Not just today, but each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.